It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, March twenty first, and you're listening to episode five hundred and twelve. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Today, joined by one of my absolute favorite co-hosts in the whole wide world, and that is Julio. Hey, Jason. How's it going, man? Good. It's always, always exciting to uh, have you hanging out here. Um, And I don't even always share you with other designers, uh, with other hosts, because I like having you all to myself. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm I'm definitely up for for doing that as well. I I always like to be, I'm good at the whole conversation part with a lot of people. Uh, But yeah, there's always something to talk about, new topic, hopefully something unique. So uh, uh, I'm excited for tonight. Me too. Me too. Um, so, uh, what, what you been up to? Give me some updates here. Okay. So last time we spoke, I was preparing for Tantrum Con. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm pleased to say that that was a huge success. Um, you know, one sad thing was that, um, they, North Carolina dropped the mask mandate like a week before the con and they decided to take that into consideration. So not a lot of people were wearing masks mm, at the con. Yeah, um, and of course, you know, uh, we were wearing, and a lot, but some people were definitely wearing, and and so far, uh, there's hasn't been much uh, COVID related uh, pop ups on that, so I guess okay. it, it it did go well, but uh, we had a good turnout of, mm-hmm. I think I I actually listened to their podcast and they said they had about five hundred and seventy something people. Oh wow, uh, that's great attend yeah it was at a hotel we stayed at the hotel where it was at and it, it was great they had a, a designer area where you know basically game designers of north carolina was hosting that because we have a chapter in charlotte where the convention was being held and we had about uh 15 game designers of north carolina and some other designers came in and they had a really great turnout uh, the the folks from Proto ATL were there, um, also kind of talking about their convention, and and I think we're really excited about that. Uh, I know there's already a couple people signed up, and that's one that I always recommend. Proto ATL in Atlanta, it's it's essentially a designer and publisher weekend of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. designing and pitching, essentially. Um, and, uh, they, they it's always good to, to see them. Of course, it's kind of one of the first conventions being back from the, from the pandemic. And it was funny because it was the last convention before the pandemic that I went to. So a lot of people that I haven't seen over two years, but it, so it felt nice just catching up with people. And of course, uh, it's funny because when I got in on Friday, uh, I went with uh, Jaceli, my wife, and our son, who's uh, 14 months now, mm-hmm. and she had a meeting, so she had to go to the hotel room, and I just stayed with him, and I was with the stroller, just walking around the convention, talking to people, and it just felt funny because it's it's a huge change, right? Yeah. <laughs> from, from usually you just got a big backpack. Now you should have <laughs> just you should have made a backpack that the baby will fit in. Yeah, that exactly, and that's prototypes beneath, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, that would be too heavy. That's a heavy baby. He's almost thirty pounds. He's a 
He's oh, a heavy, chunky. Wow, one. yeah, yeah. That is that'll start to hurt your back. I know that. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was a great one, and and I was able to showcase Dulce, my release coming out from Stronghold nice. Games. Uh, a lot of great feedback on that. We I, I had a pre-production copy, so there was some feedback on the graphic design side of things, and the publisher was very gracious to make some changes based on that because the game hasn't gone into oh, that's manufacturing yet. So that was, I think it was very, very useful on both sides. Um, and they had some cool things regarding, um, they had this uh, dinner, um, I guess, tournament meals, they call them, where they basically, you pay for the ticket and there's a meal and then there, a publisher is the 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 one that sponsors it. And mm-hmm. you, you they bring a game that's usually very easy to explain and easy to play and, and people play it after they eat. Um, and that was nice. a pretty cool format and I really enjoyed it. I went to one of them and they had like a comedy show afterwards from, uh, Grant Lyon, I think his name is. And that was really fun because it was, very, it was board game centric, uh, nice. comedy. So it was pretty cool, pretty cool. But yeah, um, I mean, uh, also I've kind of been designing some, uh, been designing some things the last couple of weeks and, what? and. <laughs> and getting ready for uh the gathering of friends that's mm-hmm. in april so i'm just kind of trying to get a couple stuff ready for that uh so it's been it's been busy so but exciting at the same time how about you yeah things have been good uh busy um working on several projects what shocker how could that be <laughs> including a few new ones um, with co-designers yes yes <laughs> wow shocker uh, I'm working on, I, I actually, for the first time I've, I've hired someone actually to finish oh. something for me, um, where I've got a party game. It's called opposite is opposite. It works really well. People really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to be putting it out there, um, in one way or another, maybe with like a real small crowdfunding thing, um, for just to help pay to get some copies printed of it. And then I'm going to use it with my coaching business and the team building stuff. And, oh. um, and it requires about, um, 200 categories and 500 words within those categories. Mm. Um, and I have about a third of that. And I was like, I could come up with all these and it'll take forever. Or I could hire a writer friend of mine uh, to come up with those <laughs> for yeah. me and to work with me. Uh, so I thought I would try that um, uh, in the, you know, uh, idea of expediting that and getting that moving. So, so I hired a, a friend of mine and, uh, and I'm really excited to work with her on it. And so hopefully I'll give some updates on that. Um, I had two games getting demoed at Tantrum Con. Uh, nice. I wasn't there, but... Uh, yes, uh, actually, I, I playtested one of those games. Which which one was that? Uh, Isaac Shalev's uh, uh, co-design. Yeah, Tier and Anag, yes. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. I don't remember the name, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, so they... Uh, yeah, he was, he was showing that off um, and got some feedback, and uh, now we're doing some more work on that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and then Ken Franklin was there demoing uh, Candlelight, the game him and I co-designed. Um, it was his game that he asked me to work on with him. And um, yeah, so that was good. Uh, got good feedback cool. on that as well. Um, and then uh, had a game this week get signed. So that was cool. Nice. Um, Congrats. Thank you. I, I have not asked what I can share about that. So I won't share anything other than to say that had a game get signed. <laughs> and that's exciting. 
And uh, as, as, the, as the builders enjoy listening, you'll tell me after the show, right? Right. Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, yes. Sorry, builders. Uh, but no, it's, it, it, once I find out if I can talk about it, I very well may be able to. I've, this is a new company that I've never worked with before, and it is a co-design. Oh. Um, and uh, so I don't know what the company's rules are on that stuff. So uh, so I haven't asked yet because we literally signed the contract last week. So, But that was exciting. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, it'll be a while before the game sees print, obviously. Um, but I'm excited to, uh, to have signed the contract on that. Um, yeah. And then just, uh, some other updates on some different things that have been waiting on contracts from publishers and trying to figure some stuff out with different things. And, you know, uh, there were some publishers where things have changed. And so it's trying to figure out like, is this still going to happen? Is this not going to happen? And, um, there's a lot of that obviously going around for the last couple of years. Um, yeah. and it's certainly understandable. Uh, but as a designer, it's, it's tough, right? <laughs> like you just want to know if it's like, you know, Hey, we're going to sign this. And then like, you know, and then it's a lot of radio silence. Um, that can be tough, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, I'm usually once that conversation starts happening, I could be a little annoying on that side and, and kind of try to follow yeah. up. In, in myself and the co-designer, we've been, you know, as bothersome as we feel comfortable being. And uh, and it's always been positive of, yes, we'll get you this stuff. You know, it's not a it's not a matter of if it's it's when. But still, it's. um Yeah. So. Yeah. So we're just well, hoping well, well, to hear hey, back soon. <laughs> sounds like there's a lot of uh, good opportunities going on. And, and, and that's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I um I I did have a couple of pitches. So um, from our last uh, episode, we were talking about uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. and I had talked about a missed opportunity uh, at um, Pax Unplugged, where the publisher was available at a certain time, and he sent me a text, and I yes, didn't see it. Yes. Uh, so actually, this publisher was in touch at Tantrum Con. And and I reached out and said, "Hey, would you be available to test the game?" And and they were like, "Do you have the prototype for real?" <laughs> no, not that one. That, that's oh, a not different that one. <laughs> so there were two missed opportunities on that okay. one. Yeah, that one was definitely a missed one. Uh, but but they said, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." And we were able to meet. And he really enjoyed the game. He took a copy, and there's definitely some good communication back and forth since then. He's been testing it. Seems like a lot, and just gave me. Uh, overall positive feedback and kind of cool. changes to the to a couple of things so we'll see what happens there um and and also and this will go right to our topic but um i've been it seems like i'm gonna be having a couple of crowd crowdfunding projects this year and i'm kind of been uh working with publishers on getting some stuff together uh so i'm a little i've been a little split on my capacity to do design mm-hmm. pitching mm-hmm. and all of that. So, but as I was telling you before we started is a bit, you know, it could, a good kind of busy, you know, the kind of thing where you say, yeah, I'm busy with all these many projects, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it does feel like, of course, you know, having a full-time job and, and a family and all this above it all, it, it right. I, I'm feeling a little stretched for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's uh that's fair. And, and I think that, you know, you get pulled in a lot of different directions. And I know for myself, it's, it can be a, I have the time, right? Like I have time to work on all these things. Uh, but, you know, you get the fires that pop up here and there that makes it really hard to manage that one thing, 
with that you might miss on the day you needed to do it because of something else. And, um, and that can be difficult, right? It's difficult yeah. when you know you have time, uh, but then somehow you don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And of course, it really depends on what, what you prioritize ultimately. Um, because there's, like I always said, design time is my fun time, but there's always uh, some other stuff that doesn't have to do with design that I want to do as well. So. Right. And design time is not always fun time. We can we can say it is, but but there is the truth that sometimes it's it's not fun. Well, sometimes. we can all agree that rules writing is not design time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because rules so, writing is, is not fun. <laughs> not no, if it bit. is, if it is fun for you, then probably contact Jason about a co-design. Yeah. Oh, yes. Or, or I'll hire you to write the rules. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because I'm super finicky about how rules are written so that in, in most of the co-designs I do, and if there's any of my co-designers listening and they want to tell me I'm wrong, that's fine. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm the one who usually does the first pass at rules most of the time in most co-designs. There'll be times where we'll be too busy and we'll split it up. I know Kelly and I have done that in a couple of points where I was like, can you handle you know, just like the first pass. And of course he can. What I mean by that is, can you handle doing the first pass in the super hyper specific format that I want you to write it in knowing that we'll change it from there. But like I work best from this kind of hyper specific format. Um, that's by no means the best format. And I, I mean, at some point, some co-designer is going to challenge me and say, no, this would be better. And then that's probably going to become my new format. <laughs> I know that's what I did for that's what I did for sell sheets and pitch documents for a long time is those have evolved based on co-designers saying, no, this is a better way to do it. And me being, like, yeah, it is. And then and then doing it their way from then on. Well, so, it's yeah. funny. It's funny that you say that, uh, as you all might know, I, I, I've been doing some co-designing with Eric Lang for a while. And uh, with Gamma, I think Gamma is currently going on or went on yeah. last weekend. Yep. Uh, and he went out there and pitched one of our games. But uh, as we were finishing up that design, I had done a lot of the front work on the prototyping and getting that together. And as we were thinking about the rules, uh, he was like, "Well, if you can, you know, I, I, if you can do the first, you know, the first pass at the rules," and and I, I went just like Eric, "I'm sorry, but I, I feel like I've I've done." Some of this prototyping process, I've been doing a lot of the front work, so I think it's your time to. <laughs> oh, so see, and he said, oh. "Fair enough," and and he did. So it, it definitely, and and that's obviously a, a good thing on his part because he he, <laughs> right, he knew right, what right. what was going on there. Um, but we're, we're excited to be pitching that one and and uh, working on some new stuff. But it definitely felt like, hey, I think it's it, it's a co-design that that's going in the long run for sure. That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> Giving him what for. Um, so, so, so what yeah, we so, got going on for, for the topic today, Jason. So, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of things that all kind of go together in that. Um, the idea that you brought up was around uh, project management and hustle. And, and I felt like we, we've covered hustle in a way when, you know, we talked about like opportunities because hustle and opportunities go hand in hand, right? I yeah. mean, like to hit those opportunities, like you, you have to have the hustle to do it. Otherwise you miss a lot of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes even when you have hustle, you miss them. But um, in the idea of that kind of bundle of, of project management with that and understanding, you know, how do we manage our game designs? How do we manage our, the whole aspect of that project, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that 
you know, when you, when you, when you look at like a, an actual project manager, right. And I know, as you pointed out, which I did not know officially that you have, you have a, a minor in project management. So <laughs> like a, a lot of times project managers are handling a couple of projects at once. Um, but like that is their sole focus. And I think with the game design side, if you count every game as a project, we very well could be handling a dozen projects, right? Um, And and they're all at different stages and they all have different things that they need. And that is a lot to shuffle, especially just like, just like any project, like you might be doing like at a company um, you're always working with different stakeholders or in this case, co-designers or publishers or whatever. And, and I think that they all need something a little bit different in Mm -hmm. how you talk to them and how you design with them. And, you know, how you split the work up. Um, and I think that because of that, it, it can be really tricky, right? Like in, yes, in trying to yes. balance all of that. Um, Essentially, this is this, this is a, like on my side, obviously, with the project management has to do with construction. I'm a civil engineer for a living. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, what we can definitely relate that to is the specifications and and uh, to, to a project. So what exactly is it that we're trying to accomplish and how do we get there? Of course, uh, a lot of the specifications in this case are, are uh, for for our projects in this game, game designs are very similar, but um, they definitely differ in in the amount of, of direct specifications to to the specifics, right? So in mm-hmm. this case, like you were saying, uh, the people that we're working with, even the game design that we're working on, right? The complexity of the game design. Um, what exactly are we? Are is our intent? What is our audience? Right. Where right. are we gonna? What are we going to do? Are we going to be self-publishing? Are we going to be pitching? Are we going mass market? Uh, There's so many different moving cogs. And of course, at like every project, and we always like to hear this, the setbacks on (laughs) things that happen that that change the the scope of, of that project for sure. And I think that, you know, something you just touched, I, so I agree with everything you said. I think that something that kind of ties in with setbacks, but also with the scope, right, is that when you have a standard project at a company, um, you you do your best to map out the scope, right, and try and avoid, you know, scope creep, um, yeah. which I think that <laughs> scope creep, you know, in a design can be like... Can you, can you yeah. define that? For the yeah, so scope creep in general, like in a in a normal project, is that you say this is what we're going to do with the project, and then you keep adding more stuff in the the, mm-hmm. the the scope of the project, or you know how you know the the breadth and depth of the project, what it all entails, uh, grows um, changes yeah. because you aren't keeping it dialed in enough on what you need it to be. Um, in, in in the problem is sometimes that has to happen, right? Because sometimes you learn things you didn't know to begin with and and you realize that, you know, okay, well, this is what the project was going to do, but that's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. Ideally, those are the things you figure out before the project starts when you do your, your research and, you know, kind of in, you know, creating your scope for the project. But that only happens in a perfect world. I mean, I, I think that in corporate uh, culture, it, that rarely happens to where the scope actually <laughs> stays what, it, what you wanted it to be. And there are always surprises, but I, I think one of the one of the tough spots with game design, if you were to sit down and try and scope out a design, and and by that I don't mean to say like, okay, this is going to be a game about this, it's going to have these types of mechanics. Forget that, right? Like that is your design. If that's its own little piece of it, 
But when you say like what you were saying earlier was like, is it mass market? Is it going to be, um, am I going to self-publish it? Is it going to be this or this or this? A lot of times we don't know that when we go into design. So even if they're not setbacks, when you say, okay, uh, I was just talking to somebody tonight on a weekly meetup and they had said some, you know, I haven't found a publisher that I want to publish this game that's interested in this game. I think I may self-publish it because I I don't want to just give it to anyone. I want it done a certain way. And if I can't get the publishers that I want to do it, then maybe I'll just do it myself. And that's not a setback. That's a, that, that's a scope change, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you're making that choice and is it going to set you back in times? Yes. But it's not a setback as in, I think of setbacks as a, as a big negative thing, right? Um, to where like, this has went wrong and we have to do this, right? Yeah. And um, one thing that definitely makes it different from normal projects, right? Is that usually projects and, and it is interesting because we're de- looking at this from a designer point of view. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at it from a publisher point of view or a developer point of view is that a lot of projects are usually defined by, by a certain budget. Right. Right. Um, right. And, and, and if once you have a budget, you definitely are very limited on what you can do at what you can change. And as mm-hmm. always, money can be a big motivator to do things right. Right. Because right, right. if you do it wrong, that's when you start losing money. And in our in our uh, position, I think what our resource that we're spending here is time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, time is a resource that can be plentiful and limited at the same time, depending on where you are prioritizing your time. And as you said earlier, uh, depending on how many projects you have as well. Um, right, a, right. A, a, as you know, I currently have uh, maybe 25 ongoing designs that I'm mm-hmm. currently pitching at different stages and I'm always excited to to work on something new but to do that I need to finish something because right, right. I'm at the point where my capacity is is reached and I'm like okay well I need to finish this rules for this game or maybe even shelf this game because I didn't get it to the point where I wanted it to get and of course at this point I don't get attached to designs as I used to because I I have a lot to work with, um, but uh, time is definitely something that I always consider here. And within that, there's my personal life and my professional life where I, mm-hmm. I need to make sure to to take care of, of that side of things. And it's not like, okay, I'm, I'm putting this time for my family. And no, I mean, I obviously have to make sure that's uh, a little more uh, uh, fluent, right? That's... Uh, it's right, not right. set in stone and make sure to that you can account for those changes, right? Um, that uh, you have some flexibility to work with. Uh, and that's oh, that, that's definitely very important. Now, when it comes going back to designing and and you're trying to work on a on a design, in this case, I the last couple of weeks, um, I've actually started a design that was a micro game and you know the scope of that is pretty straightforward essentially when you have limits on a design that mm-hmm. is usually a good specification to start with in this case a micro game is 18 cards usually or or less um and i i said okay i want to do an 18 card game and i had this idea for this may be the game that i end up pitching but as you'll find out it kind of evolved a little from there in the different sense that you might think um so uh i I essentially designed a a a game system um Mm -hmm. that i i 
put in. Uh, I think I may have pitched uh, a volleyball game in the past. And uh, yes, spike. Yes, yes, yes. So I called it spike hit. So I did like a eighteen card volleyball game, and it was numbers on cards, one v one, and it worked really well. Now uh, that I, I achieved that that uh, objective, that scope of okay, I wanted to design a an eighteen card game that represented volleyball, and mm-hmm. I did. Now after that, of course, we can always. Um, before we finish that part, we can always plan on what to do next. But of course, a lot of the times with design, we can't do that. So once I had that ready, I'm like, okay, so what's next? What can I do with this design? And as you all know, uh, 18 card games are a niche within our niche of board games. A niche within a niche. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think I can pitch this anywhere. I don't think anybody will be excited, especially right. This is a niche within a niche within a niche because it's a mm-hmm. sports game <laughs> right, right right yeah yeah so uh from that i actually kind of did some scope creep let's see and essentially i would say well this system that i worked on it's pretty cool so maybe i should develop this a bit further and one thing that came to mind um was uh the olympics uh, mm-hmm. and how the olympics is obviously uh a group of many sports and uh that people participate in to be the best and i thought that if i use that system uh for basically making uh micro olympics games uh would be a cool thing to do and that's something i'm gonna pitch later but going back to the the project so i had an original scope of making a, an 18 card game that seemed uh i was excited about it it seemed like a short uh goal to achieve and i did and once i got there uh i i had to shift my 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 scope of this project because from experience that's another thing right because in in any industry as you gain experience you you can definitely spend less time in making decisions because you have gone through that in some way or another yes. um so of course if i didn't know better i made my first game an 18 card game and i would decide to pitch it to whatever publisher i could find but you know knowing that okay maybe uh button shy would maybe look at it but now they they like to have some meaty games in their 18 card mm-hmm. games and funnily enough they uh they actually published their comp their 18 card challenge their newest one and it was actually a numbers on cards game uh but i saw that one i saw that one yeah i did not do that one. i did the one previously and we're still waiting the results on that but yeah (laughs) yeah and uh, it was one to 18 numbers but Mm -hmm. my game is one through nine twice because it's a 1v1 so i'm like so close but <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm actually glad that it went that way because what I have now is something that I'm extremely excited about and I'll talk about it later but uh a- again so you can always choose to have uh the scope change uh and in that case it's not scope creek because in scope creek that usually happens where you have a lot more people involved mm-hmm. um like uh, one thing I've been war- I've been doing like I said I may have a couple of crowdfunding projects this year, and I have been involved in in the process of uh, at least two of them, and which is definitely a cool thing to see how your game changes and and being involved in that process. 
but then having people involved that they're ultimately the big project managers, right? You're just a, mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. a small a, a small cog in the system, even though you design the game. Uh, they're the ones that are putting the money up front, right? So their resource in this case is money budget, and and my resource is the time because I already already signed a a, a contract, and there's there's some. I can keep doing as much work as I can, but I definitely want to make sure that I let them run with it as well, because if not, then maybe, Hey, maybe they should hire me as a developer as well. Um, (laughs) But, but, but it depends on the company and how I feel about that depends on the size of the company and how I feel about that. That is true. And and it also really depends on the, on the game as well. Um, Because, uh, some games are, are definitely uh, different, different than others. And as you know, in the last two years, I've been working on, I've been changing and trying to, to expand my horizons when it comes to design. Like, again, I didn't do a lot of card games when I started and I've been doing some of that. And, and then I did a historical game and, and, and that was really cool as well. So it, it, it's kind of, as a designer has helped me grow, but it definitely uh, makes this whole aspect of managing my designs difficult. It's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of different aspects of all of that, right? And that can make it really hard to, to determine. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I think that's the the trick of what it of balancing it. We're just talking about as designers in this case, but as we, as we said when we started, this involves so much more than that because mm-hmm. once you have a design ready. Where, where do you proceed? And we've already talked about the pitching aspect of things. And, and one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this is because we feel, and I know both you and I, and probably a lot of us as well, that we've been doing more design than than anything else because of the limitations that we have, not on the design aspect, but as the industry aspect, right? Right, um, right. Because right now, obviously, we, things are opening up at, little by little. There's more conventions going I'm sorry. Little by little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's more conventions happening. So so that's obviously exciting. Uh but we have been limited in the last 2 years to just designing and how we test our games and there's that aspect of it as well when you test and iterate and and what to change that there's so much that we can talk about and we've already gone through these in different uh topics in previous episodes. But uh once you you have the game, you know you have gone through the play testing, and of course, when you play test, that may set you back. Those that's where a lot of setbacks go because that's where you're you're at the most excitement point of I'm gonna test this game and it's gonna be the best thing ever. Uh, and of course, <laughs> that's never that's never the case. There's always something that needs to change, and somebody doesn't like something, and and you parse through that information and decide what to do. Right. But uh, well, that's what I would call a setback in a sense, right? Even mm-hmm. even though sometimes you can take that into account and say, okay, so I know that this game is pretty complex, so it's not going to take me uh, a week or two to finish it, uh, and and that may happen, and and you know that would be awesome, but usually it takes more than that to get a design to a state where you want to pitch it. Now, when it comes to project management, this is something that I am, I've been looking to improve on and hopefully uh, something, somebody can share uh, what they do on this regard. But you start, 
right reaching out to publishers or you know manufacturers on on if you want to self-publish but i don't do that you may talk more on that side uh and about pitching your game and where to pitch it and what's their availability and 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 where to to pitch the game because that's so so many locate so there's a location time and and who and when uh mm-hmm. who when where what um uh, and once you get there uh that's just a communication right an email um mm-hmm. i would say a call but who who makes phone calls anymore um <laughs> and once you make that email that's usually when you're passing that ball to the other side of the of the uh, net um <laughs> volleyball reference there um and 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 hoping that they respond and and how you can proceed from there of course, this is where uh, working on multiple projects can be helpful, and as you all know, that's that's what we do that a lot. Uh, once we get to that point where we we're pitching games and we send out a couple of emails, we'll go to the next uh, game and keep working on that, and that's always a good way to manage because we're managing our time wisely there. Now, the the thing that I'm very bad at, and I've been meaning to do this for a long time, is really documenting who I've have pitched to and what the responses were at the time and when was it as well because I've come to a point where I again I have many games that I'm pitching and I've pitched to a publisher multiple times different games but at this point I'm like have I pitched this game before but <laughs> to this publisher and stuff like that because right, right, right. I have games that I've that I've designed over two or three years ago that mm-hmm. I re- I still believe in, and I think it can find a home. Um, but I have pitched to many publishers, and it have has gone through different um, stages in the evaluation process. Mm-hmm. But I have not documented where and who and when, and I think that can be very useful to keep track of that information, so you don't mm-hmm. waste your efforts in the future. And of course, look bad in front of publishers where they're like, didn't right. we see this already? And that's that's probably one of the That's bad- when you say, <laughs> no, I've never showed you this game. This is new. I just started, no. Well, we at least if, emails. If, if they remember, at least they emitted some sort of impression. Well, yeah, but they turned it down. So, you know, I think that um, that's, that's a really good, you know, that's a really good um, idea. And one of the things I've started doing recently, um, because I, I was talking to you about this ahead of time, you know, I've been designing a lot of stuff, been entering some contests and stuff. And when stuff is coming back from that, not like pitching, not like taking this stuff and being like, just, just, let's just pitch this game. Like it's ready enough. Let's pitch it. Um, so I've really tried to make a concerted effort with some of my co-designers to say, we're going to try and pitch these games. Um, or we were waiting on like a certain company and we finally hear back and it's like, okay, we just need to start hustling with this. Um, so we started just making a list of potential publishers to pitch to. And then just, I actually just made a pinned message in our discord channel that the two of us used to design with my different designers and have been like, okay, uh, he, I'm, I'm just marking what the status is. Did we send it to them? We're waiting to hear back. Yeah. Who do we talk to? Um, but yeah, one of the things that really is actually coming up to me that I'm thinking about with this is, you know, if you're doing like a, a real project, like a project, like at a company or something, you, you kind of have like a, a standard project document or timeline or, you know, like something that you use 
to say, these are all the steps that we will take in this project. And and now I feel like I'm kicking myself. Like, why, why not? Why have I never thought that creating something like that would be a really great way to keep on task, right? It allows you uh, with your co-designers to set forth some some agreements ahead of time, which I've always done with co-designers verbally, but to actually say like, here's the plan, here's what we're going to do, here's what our goals are with this game, document all that, and then try and set a reasonable timeline and try to stick with it. Um, I, I feel like having kind of like that, that document, that project document, um, not only for every independent project, but then also having a document that's tracking everything would be nice. Cause I I know that I've, you know, fallen to points where like if a co-designer gets busy with something, I might get busy with something. And then, you know, four months later, we're like, Hey, we should work on this game again. (laughs) Um, I mean, co-designs that I've not finished are generally because the co-designer and I got busy uh, and we just kind of stopped meeting for a bit. And then maybe we pick it back up later or maybe we don't. But I don't like when that happens because it feels like we've wasted the time, right? Unless it's because we have to pivot to a new project. I mean, sometimes that happens too, right? And that's yeah. different. Um, you know, yeah. I like I like a co-design to either complete or end, right? To say like, you know, I don't think this is going to work. Let's let's not work on this game, you know? And, th- I, and that I think is not a lot. Like that's that's an experience that you can learn from. Um, yeah, and 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 here's the thing. I, I think we have gone through this in a very um, uh, objective uh, manner. But one thing to consider is the fact that board game design is a very creative process. And mm-hmm. as I said before, uh, project management is something more like it's set terms, and and you try to complete those terms. And and that's why it is hard for us as designers to to follow up on this management side of things because but we, we need it, it right yeah we do we do i mean <laughs> obviously creative jerks we need that stuff <laughs> we do we do but uh, again we don't prioritize on that being important mm-hmm. until it does become where it may hurt you in more ways than one um but yeah when as creatives we want to make we want to make sure to have some flexibility and be able to to expand our horizons when it comes to designing something you don't want to be like okay we're gonna have this done in four months right um unless it's a project that you're getting paid for for it and and that's another matter but then you might have more or less time right it depends on what they tell you (laughs) Yeah, but but usually the the point of designing is that you're making a, a fun engine to some extent, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, yep. Not just for other people, but for yourself, it's a fun engine to figure out how this mm-hmm. is going to work. I really enjoy that process, um, and con- uh, constricting that into what is a quote unquote project and making sure it's finished by some uh, point, it's it's hard now. There are some elements that we talked about that can definitely go into that criteria of, you know, uh, making sure we document the information that we once we end with the creative process. I think that's where project management can be extremely useful. Um, And of course, we're we're talking about this. And at the same time, I'm telling you, I haven't done it and I want to do it. 
and maybe we'll visit it sometime in the future where I'm like, so this is what I did. I have the spreadsheet and I mm -hmm. went through emails in the last five years of all the publishers I've pitched to and what games I've pitched <laughs> to and, and what that status was and if the game changed or it got signed and stuff like that because I do have at least a sell sheet, uh, 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 an Excel sheet with um, all my projects from the start uh, and, and what uh what uh status they're currently on um smart, yeah yeah and, and and you know that's pretty that's essentially a list right uh mm -hmm. how many how many projects i've i've come to prototype and and what status they are and and of course when you fill out that cell that says signed or published right that's right. that's that's obviously pretty cool Feels and like good. a little yeah. a little badge and uh, us uh, gamers really always uh, enjoy that for sure yeah, I, I just, I have a bunch of folders in Google Docs where, you know, I'm working on my active projects. And if a project doesn't get touched for long enough, especially if it's a solo project, then I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to work on this. I'll drop it in a kind of an old projects folder that I'll still go to sometimes. I've even had co-designers say, hey, I want to work on something with you. And I'm like, hey, here's a bunch of old ideas I had. Does anything jump out to you? And sometimes they're like, yeah, that looks, that I loved it, would love to talk about that idea. Great. Um because it's clearly something I was excited about, but stopped usually because it got to a point where I was like, I don't know that I have the solutions to this right now. And maybe fresh eyes do. Uh, but I do. I love putting stuff in that folder that says published. Um, I'll tell you what I don't like, though. Uh, and you've probably experienced this, too. Taking Ooh, it back returned. out of that folder. <laughs> that doesn't feel good. That sucks. Yeah. Like, yep. uh, yeah. I was I was just thinking about that today. Uncheck um, that box. <laughs> well, um, the reason why I was doing that, and this is kind of a tangent, you know, I don't like to get into tangents, but I've been thinking about a, a project outside of game design, but obviously involved where uh, making some content on game design, uh, but something a little different because I felt like the pandemic has taken a lot from us as when it comes to resources in, in game design. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, like, I, I'm a big podcast reader, uh, listener, as you know, and a lot of podcasts has just involving game design have just stopped. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there have been some notable ones that have that have cut. So, yeah. Yeah. So. So, you know, here am I uh, thinking about how I don't have time to to design on everything I want to design. And now I'm thinking, hey, I want to do uh, some some content and and. But uh, essentially, and this is something I'll share more about in the future, uh, because I, I do have an outline, but it's something going to be it's not it's going to be limited. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be doing it for a long time. But one thing I I did do um, when I started and I may have mentioned this the first time I was on this podcast because I was probably still doing it at the time. But when I started uh, designing, I, I started a group in Tennessee um, for for board game designers. And of mm -hmm. course, I was months at the time that I started designing and uh, I did a Facebook group um, and to have some engagement there, I posted a design tip or resource a day for 365 days. Um, and I thought, you know, going back to project management, that was a good project to work on because yeah. you, you set yourself a goal, right? We already talked about those and, and I said, okay, to make sure people learn the same as I am, because I wasn't an experienced designer at the time, uh, and and have some engagement, I'm gonna post something that I learned about or I have learned about in the past. Yeah. 
one a day for 365 days. And that's a lot of work. Um, yeah, I know I've been doing one a week for 10 years. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, I that's get a, you. That's one a, a day. Example. That's, that's brutal. Like to do that on your own. That's, that's harder than you, than, than people think it is. Oh, this is the quick thing a day. It's not, it no. is not. It's more it was than that. not. It was definitely uh, some some rough ones uh, at some point, but it was interesting because when I finished, I took all of those tips and I put them in a, in a document. Uh, so again, uh, uh, documenting that information, and you know, uh, uh, Word, Microsoft Word tells you the word count, and I did a little over twenty thousand words. Um, wow! And, Have you and, looked back at the list to see how many things you actually agree with? So, still. There you go. So, so you just brought it up. That's what my project's going to be. Um, oh, that's what nice I essentially to... what I'm essentially going to do is it's been five years since mm-hmm. since that has happened, and I'm as as I'm basically going to be revisiting all those tips. So uh, uh, it's a little project that I'm going to be doing 54 uh, episodes of, and I think it it's maybe a podcast on on the game designers of North Carolina feed. Um, cool. Uh, and and going through basic monologue of of seven tips every week for fifty two weeks, uh, and mm-hmm. seeing how the the couple month old designer was thinking at the time, and how five years right, later right. things have changed or improved, or or I don't may not agree with. Um, right. So that'll be interesting. That, yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. I just tell people the first hundred or two hundred episodes, just assume those were mostly garbage. <laughs> Uh, with advice, you know, because and and even some in the three hundreds and four hundreds, five hundreds. Ouch! Just kidding, just kidding. Just the ones that Jason's in, you know. <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> I've not been in every episode, but most of them. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, you know, obviously, it was a tangent and a little plug there. But it, it is. I think that's uh, great. Yeah, it is a, a project that I'm excited about, and I hopefully. Uh, other designers, no, no matter in what stage of your uh, journey you're on, you, you can enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think that's super cool. Yeah. And I, I think something that I'm going to focus on based on this conversation is I'm going to try and put together, uh, and this will be something I'll probably hit up the community for. So uh, anybody in our discord group, um, and if you're not in the discord group, building podcast.com uh, slash discord, uh, there you can find your Discord group. I, I would love to to work with the community to figure out some sort of, you know, online spreadsheet that we can we can kind of work together on to say like what what is the best way to track this stuff? Because I, I mean, I can put one together for me, but mm-hmm. I, I know the second I show it to a co-designer, they're going to say, well, what about this? Or, you know, have you considered tracking that? And so I would love to hear lots of people's uh, ideas. I mean, I, I yeah, love a good they're spreadsheet. building the game hive mind. It's a yeah. thing. And it's, it's become like the discord group has become so good for that. The weekly meetups, um, not only fun, but just like, you know, there's so much support that we're getting from that. And, you know, people like I routinely now, like with the pitching thing, like dropping into the pitching help channel and saying, Hey, has anybody ever talked to this company? I'm looking for a contact for this company. That's not just like fill out this form. Um, (laughs) those are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So anyways, um... no, one thing, one thing, you know, that you mentioned uh, talking about the discord is, is that that in itself is a project, right? Um, it, it has spawned from the building the game audience, but it is something that you are managing and seeing behind the scenes, tr- you know, 
asking for for help on on managing that group because it has grown which is always a good thing but uh it, it, managing uh people resources is is always not easy mm-hmm. um and yeah and, some some of the hosts julio are tough <laughs> to manage <laughs> yeah yeah and and i'm telling you i i really enjoy seeing the engagement there and i'm mm-hmm. uh, like i said i'm not good uh uh, I think it was Micah or Jamie that mentioned, hey, Julio, it's been two years. And they were just uh, kind of saying it based on one episode that you said 590 and it was 509, yeah. I think. And it was two yeah, years yeah. that I went way over my head. But yeah. I'm just really bad at engaging because there's so much conversation going on and I there just is. can't keep can't keep up. And I, I, I also can struggle with that. I. One of the things I felt like at first with the Discord channel, I felt like if somebody asked a question or posted something, I was like, I have to jump in and try and answer it. I have to be helpful. And I realize now that, that I don't, if I don't feel like I have anything super helpful to say, I don't, because you know what? Someone else will, because somebody else there has an idea or has experience. Um, And that's one of the greatest things about it is it's turned into this thing where there are plenty of voices and we have such a great variety of diverse voices there mm-hmm. um who, who can give you information and and give you their thoughts and i love that i love 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 that so um yeah yeah and and i know we've kind of went on some tangents there but uh just to bring it back um and this is something that will probably be a, a different episode but once you do get a game signed and hopefully published and some royalties start coming in mm-hmm. and essentially you have a, a business to some extent, right? And yeah, we've talked yeah. about this in the past, but how, how do you manage that business? Right. Um, this yeah. is in, in a sense, it, it is kind of like a project, right? Uh, but a business obviously is different, but uh, that income that you get, what do you do with it? Do you want to grow that business into something that can thrive and grow and evolve or, right. or, or something else? And managing that it's obviously its own. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's a hundred different ways that you can do that. Right. I mean, I know for myself that if I get income from games or when I get income from games, the first thing I try to do is to not use it. I try mm-hmm. to take it and put it away uh, because making games, not cheap. Anybody will tell you being a game designer is one of the reasons we don't make tons of money is because being a game designer is expensive. <laughs> it is a yeah. privilege to be able to design games uh, and travel and do the things that we, that, you know, that we want to do to be a part of that. Um, so, so yeah, but it's, there, there are so many different facets to game design um, as, as a discipline beyond just designing games um that it's it's just so much it's like really anything right i mean like you said you are your own business at that point and you can do with that what you want i mean you can take the money and you can put it on your taxes you can write off expenses you can, i mean there are mm-hmm. so many things you can do around that um you know i would it, i would it's, it's i would actually stop uh with the topic at this point and and we probably can can use that one later on yeah, yeah, and we should probably get somebody who knows a lot about that stuff to come on and then make <laughs> yes. sure that people understand it's not advice. We are not tax professionals. Exactly, exactly. We could get a tax professional on. That might be fun. Taxes, fun. You crazy. I mean, 
to explain to people what to do. My my tax advice for you is this. Get an accountant and let them do it. Because <laughs> that's what I did 10 years ago and I've been doing it ever since. It's fantastic. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah, so okay. All right. Well, that was that was a fun discussion. And um and I, I would love to hear some builder feedback on that. Uh so I I spoke about this micro game earlier in the episode mm-hmm. and it was called Spike Hit. Um it's a volleyball micro game. Um I really enjoy how it went and I may explain uh the rules in a moment, but this base system of the game was something that I really, really enjoyed. And I thought it was a shame that it was just used on this one game. So I thought, okay, what if I use this system for multiple games? And that's where I came up with Micro Olympics. So what, what I essentially did is I came up with, in a span of four weeks, six games um, that used the same system, but their gameplay was different based on the sport. So I started with uh, Micro Volleyball. So I changed them all to Micro and then the name Micro Volleyball. Then I made micro swimming, uh, micro fencing, micro wrestling, micro basketball, and micro archery. Um, And maybe you may ask on one specific one, but I'm going to tell you about what the micro Olympic system is. Um, Like I said earlier, uh, all of them are 1v1. And as you might have noticed, there are 18 cards and there are six games. So mm-hmm. between all of them, that's 108 cards, two decks of cards, six games, two to 12 players. Mm-hmm. Um, because with the sport aspect of it, uh, you can essentially play tournament style. Pe- one person gets a, po- a sport and plays with another, and, and then whoever wins there goes to the next one on a different sport. Um, so I thought that was interesting in that sense. But going back to the Olympic card system, you have cards one through nine. Mm-hmm. times two each player got, gets a, a deck of cards that goes one through nine you shuffle the deck your deck use you, you basically that deck makes your hand of cards of course all the cards go from one through nine but they're going to be shuffled up mm-hmm. and what you do in this game is you play a card from the edges of your hand um so oh, okay yes so you know what the cards are going to come up, but you can only play the ones that are on the edges. And of course, as you play one in the next turn, you're going to have a different ones uh, available. Um, so, so that's the system. And, and from there on how you play the game, essentially uh, uh, it's, it's very different on all of them. Uh, and I'm happy to say that on all six of them, it has a good feeling related to the sport, which is usually nice. very hard to do. Because obviously yeah. some people try to do some simulation stuff, but with a numbers on card game, uh, making it sports like it's actually a little easier than I thought it would be. Um, so right now, I mean, uh, we have some time, so maybe one or two games. If yeah, there any great. one specifically that you would like to know about, um, I, I would love to hear about fencing and something that's not fencing or archery and something that's definitely not those things. Cause I feel like fencing and archery to me stand out as very different from the other ones. Okay. So, well, yeah. uh, since you mentioned fencing, uh, so in fencing, you, each card goes one through nine and the card is divided into two sides. 
there's an attack side and a defense side. Mm-hmm. And what you're playing is a line of cards, but between both players. So you first start off by both playing a card and whoever's highest becomes the attacker. And what that means is that you start overlaying cards. So it's very, it's very visual, but it's interesting because essentially what you're doing is that you're pushing towards your opponent. And as you push, your attack side is being shown and the opponent's defense side is being shown. The way you push is that you have to play a card either from your opponent's number or your number, which is the intersection of the two cards, one Mm -hmm. up or down. Okay. Okay. So, of course, that may not even happen. So, if you can't do that, you can play a feint. And that's a card that goes down uh, on the outside. But in a future turn, you can play from the edges of your hand or from that feint card. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's very visual, and this is how the fencing uh, feels, Mm -hmm. because you're essentially pushing your opponent, and how you score a point is that your opponent doesn't have any more defense on it. Mm -hmm. Of course, as the defensive player, you can react to your opponent's numbers the same way. So you can play up or down one on their number or your own and start pushing them. Now, when you score a point, the card that you use to score a point is what's used to to count the point and whoever gets to three points wins but thematically what this means that you're getting tired so you have one less card to work with Mm -hmm. so that's that's essentially it you're playing in a line and this the this line moves forward towards the opponent or towards you and the sword right is kind of the point of that Mm -hmm. of that uh intersection and when it reaches you that's a hit i like that yeah yeah, so so that is micro fencing, and all these games play in less than ten minutes as well. So that's another mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, which other one would you like to know about? So there's volleyball, archery, swimming, ba- basketball, basketball. Uh, Let's do basketball. That sounds so very different. Basketball, it's it's you know it's a team sport that's very involved, right? And mm-hmm. doing that with only nine cards is something that I was thinking about, and and here's what I came up with. So basketball is divided into two parts. The mm-hmm. first one is choosing your team. So the cards have one through nine, of course, and then the underside of that card has point values one to three. And this is in basketball. You can have ones are free throws, twos are just shots, and three-pointers. Mm-hmm. But the one to nine are the player stats. So the one is the lowest and nine is the highest. What you do is that, you know, going turn by turn, you play a card on and try to choose a team. So you're playing five cards. Mm-hmm. And the way you're playing them is that you play one and then your opponent can play on that same space, kind of like a mm-hmm. line, right, or an adjacent one. And you do this back and forth until everybody has played uh, all player, both players have played five cards, which is your five players. Mm-hmm. So it may look like you have like your two player in front of the opponent's four player. So that means that those players are guarding themselves, right? Um, and that's essentially the first part: how to choose your team and who is going to guard who. And and this is very important because the second half, which is only four cards, right? You played mm-hmm. five of your nine. These four cards are the four quarters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what you do is you play the card face down on a player of yours, and then your opponent can move one player to support that card. And essentially, like, again, my four against your two, that means I'm going to score unless you move another player Mm -hmm. to 
go higher than that. And I think attackers are equal, uh, equal or lower, uh, equal or higher you score. But okay. of course, you don't know what that point is. So I have points right. that go one, two, or three. So I may use a one to force you to move, and that opens up another space to be able to score in a future uh, um, quarter, right? So we mm-hmm. do that, you know, back and forth until all the cards are played. And when, how, regardless if you score or don't score, the mm-hmm. card goes to the play to. If you scored, it goes to the player that scored. So you can't use that player anymore. Ah, okay. And if it was blocked, your opponent takes that card and blocks one of their players. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, having players go from one to nine, it's a big spread. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It, it, it is very interesting how, how that works out and, and, and the strategy behind it. But that is micro basketball. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I like I love that, you know, the games have a, a similar vibe, uh, but all play independently. That's that's super clever. Um yeah, and yeah. there's so much expandability to that, right? I mean, you've got mostly summary stuff. You could do a Winter Olympics version of it too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and here's the thing, Jason, kind of thinking ahead, right? Going back to the to the management, uh, project management thing. If I pitch this game now, we can mm-hmm. see the game maybe coming out in two years' time. What's going to be hopefully happening in two years? The 2024. Olympics. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah So. So I am at this point writing down the rules uh, for for all of them, and hopefully I can get them pitched uh, and and see if somebody picks it up. Um, yeah. But but that was kind of you know I went from one game and I said this is not going to be enough. So and and then I came up with making more and I was oh I'm going to make three to make a, a 54 card game and I'm like why stop there I'm just going to make six and and make two scope decks. creep. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes for sure. But in this case I think it was a good thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. No, that that sounds really cool, and I wish you luck with that. So thank you, appreciate it. Awesome. Well, hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed our conversation tonight and hearing about the Micro Olympics, um, and uh, also <laughs> project management and uh, how to deal with all that stuff. Uh, once again, if you've got feedback on any of that, we'd love love to hear it. Uh, throw it out in the Discord channel; it's the best place to do it. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at jaslingerland, at hunasaru. Uh, and also, uh, keep coming back every week because we'll be here, and it'd be great if you were here too. But until next time, good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game.